So it was me trying to identify what my role was. And I felt that I was the one that was supposed to open the door, that was supposed to connect us to them. Because those, they're not kids, but those young adults, they weren't connecting with us. They felt, oh, here's another set of people that are talking at us. They don't know what we're going through. They don't. And by the ending of her stay, they weren't sitting like this anymore. Mm. They were actively they pulled up to the table. There was conversation and it was going on. That did not happen. Yeah. And that that's what I was supposed to do. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is going to transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com. That's highticketlaunchsecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Well, welcome to the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel, and I have a really special, special guest here today. And so, well, you guys can see me on YouTube. But on my podcast, for those of you guys who don't know, this brown, voluptuous woman with natural and the cool vibes, she is someone I would consider a mentor. It's a fabulous Charlie Covington. And I think I want to give a little backstory about like how we even met so that we can understand like how do we come onto the set on of Work and Play Podcast um, so that it makes sense. But I was just telling you, you are really like a grounding spirit in my life. And how that all happened, this transpired over years because Charlie and I met on my first day at Delta Airlines. Now, that wasn't your first time, right? Because you had already done a stint before. And um, and so she and I sat at the same table. Um, and then we went on to our own jobs. I feel like throughout the years, Charlie reached out to me. And um, shoot, I was going through my own, like, turmoil at work but then we ended up reconnecting when i created the, the delta career readiness program now at that time in my life i was like going two different directions at the same time but the fact that i was able to create the program myself i was in a place of like just control 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 everything and then you and kaya came into my life you kaya and um well kaya came into my life and then um sarah and then you came into my life, right? So I was in this place of like letting the program go, trying to let you guys do what you guys do, but I was still like trying to control everything, which years later, I'm still learning to not control things. But um, one of the things that really resonated with me throughout the entire process, I mean, like I enjoy just you coming over to my house and then us eating Chinese food over the program. Um, oh, I'm a cheap date. <laughs> have some food there. <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> Literally, you came through. You're like, I'll get whatever you have. And I was just starting vegan, too. You're like, oh, but you got lo mein. I'll eat that. Let me get another bit. It was just so cool. And honestly, I was telling you, that is one of the first times I got a chance to feel what work and play actually feels like. Because we were going through files. We're eating Chinese food in my house. And we're talking about how we're going to launch the program. 
So it just, for me, it felt like I, I took a step up. Um, now, when we executed the career readiness program, the second time I was really impressed and just floored was just the way that you naturally connected with the youth. Now, I connect with the youth like in one way because I'm serious about them getting to their next level. That, I come from a I'm not here to play perspective. I'm here to offer you value and I really want you to make something of yourself. And I can even give more tough love from a sense like because I didn't experience it. I'm very empathetic, but if I had experienced poverty in a certain way, I think I probably would be less hard on them, maybe. But you connected with them. So I feel like the way that I got to know you, um, the just that glimpse of you being very natural when you did that um, exercise with them, the M&M exercise, when they were able to like pick the M&M and introduce themselves, introduce like two or three things about themselves. And even just your nuanced way of taking a curriculum, even though I had the framework, you made it your own and made it very natural. I think you did a really good job of doing that. So I think yeah, Eminem, I did that. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so in the workshop, let me remind you. All right. So, <laughs> uh, I did that. Okay. Yeah, you did. So the one of the workshops. So in the workshops, we always did the icebreakers. Right. And um, I want to say this was like the first meeting of the entire program because we wanted to like get the mentors to mix and mingle with the youth so that they can organically figure out who they wanted to match with. And I said, well, I don't really have any ideas. I think we had some boring ideas, at least from my perspective. And you were like, well, I have this M&M game. So you went and got the candy. It was so many things that you went and got to make the, like you got, you actually got materials. Okay. And they had to pick three M&Ms, three to four M&Ms. <laughs> And then you had a list of... Oh, I remember it now. All right. I remember it now. <laughs> so for each color, it was a category. So let's just say, I think maybe, let's just say red was music or and yellow was food. And it was just some things that no one knew what the categories were. Mm -hmm. I remember and it was in a bowl and I said, okay, well, take three M&Ms and put it in your hands. And so once everyone had M&Ms... Then I revealed what the categories were, and then they had to say something for the category. Yes, so I remember now. Thank you. Okay, because I'm like, don't worry, I'm giving you as many details as you need to until you grab it. So you, you brought the spoons, the 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 um, you had popsicle sticks, you had everything, and I was in and out, but I got a glimpse of the end and how they ended up liking that that activity, which was way better than the two years before. <laughs> so. That is how I have evolved to come to appreciate this woman standing here. And I'll just say one more thing because I want to hear your story. And I think they'll love hearing it from you. But the last thing is when I went into entrepreneurship, I left corporate America with a vision, a dream of like impacting, you know, people. And I think one thing that you helped ground me with was that know your number conversation. That know your number conversation brought things into perspective for me, because while I I have a, I'm a very like bubbly um, what's that what did I say bushy tail bright eye type of personality and I'm learning I'm growing I'm, I'm getting older, it just brought a reality into this journey for me and it grounded everything that I do and so even though I've kind of floundered throughout like the entrepreneurial experience, I've always kept clear on what my numbers are and I think that's why I've been able to pay my bills. I've been able to find different things like hustles, if you will, to like make sure I stay financially set, which I don't know if I would have considered if it wasn't for that conversation. So you would have um, the universe, God, however you want to classify it, 
gives us what we need. And we are going to meet different people in life. And some people are there to sow seeds. Some are there to kind of monitor and till the ground. And others are there to prune as the, the, the plant is germinating. And some are there to pluck and uproot it. Right? So our, that conversation may have happened when you were ready to actively hear it and, and take action with it. I think if you start to really take inventory of conversations that you've had prior to, you would have realized that that lesson was always presented to you. Mm. And, yeah. and so I wasn't the first one to introduce it to you. I believe that, um, which is, that's something I noticed about myself. Like the the last time I hear it is the the loudest. And let's say I go back to a friend of mine, they're like, I told you that right. literally. Yeah. So we got into this conversation, which means y'all know we're in for a really good like discussion because I didn't even introduce this young lady because uh, this is Charlie Covington. Did you or did we already introduce your name? Yeah, I said it. Um, you know that I have. I'm guessing issue with saying this is what I do, this is who I am. Um, I'm Charlie, and there's just so much to me. So I am looking to see what aspect of it that you want me to share, um, and I'll share that because I'm just being. Um, so for my personality, um, I don't have. Um, or from a professional trajectory, I'm not a this. I'm not a VP or a manager or a doctor or a lawyer. Uh, it's not my professional career, I think, that defines me or is what or is even the reason that you invited me here. I think the purpose for me being here and us having this conversation is because you like the way that I approach life or will take the situations that I'm presented with and how I figure out how to deal with them. So it has really nothing to do with my professional career or what I do socially or what I do entrepreneurially. It's my perspective when I'm presented with certain things in life. Am I correct about that? Absolutely. It's the so way you So given a background on me professionally, I don't think that that's as important. Yeah. I will, we can talk about it in reference to certain situations and what my thought process was in dealing with it in certain environments. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't know that my resume is all that important. Okay. So you're right. I think the thinking professionally and career wise. Um, one thing that I really appreciate you with, about you is your the way you navigate your navigational skills, mm -hmm. and I just learned about um, cultural capital, which is actually so. There's studies in in DE and I about like what is the definition of leadership, and in that conversation, they're starting to like define like what do we consider leadership, and then how are we what are we missing? So like the conversation is when you think about ambitious, competitive, those are actually more so masculine tendencies. Um, and this is just what the studies say. Um, the studies say they're more masculine tendencies. And 
and that um, a lot of the characteristics that we deem as leadership qualities are more so male and white male centered. One of the things that they say a black woman, a woman of color brings to the table is cultural capital. One of them is navigational capital. Being able to navigate in, in situations and in systems that aren't necessarily built for us to survive and thrive is what we typically have a, a knack for, even if we don't know it's a skill, you're just built that way. And so from what I understand, now that I've talked to you off camera and I know a little bit more about your story, one specific um, example, thinking about how we help the, um, the youth at Covenant House and our goal of getting them to create a career at, at Delta, you actually did, you actually went through the path that we wanted to help them learn how to navigate through. So anything that you can share from however you identify with the young people at Covenant House to where I met you, what did that process look like for you? And how did you learn how to navigate to the point that you got to? So for me, it's always, it's been about survival. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's survival, doing what I need to do to get what I need to have. And that is gonna be different for everybody. So for Covenant House, you, we had youth that were dealing with homelessness, right? And so they were what, 17, 16, 17, 18, 18 okay? mm -hmm. So really, so it was no money, no food, no shelter, no one being responsible for them. However, whether it was them shunning mm -hmm. people that did want to participate in their life or really truly there, there was legitimate abandonment issues. However they got there, they're young, no food, no shelter, no guidance, no money and all of that. And we sat back and realized they have to survive. And in order to survive, you need to be able to provide basically food, shelter, and safety for yourself. Absolutely. Right? And how we do it in in our current environment is you need to have money to be able to access those things. One of the main ways that we get money is to have a job. Mm -hmm. And so when we start talking about knowing your number, okay, so how much is it going to cost for you to do those things for yourself? Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's round it off 50,000, whatever it is. How much is that a month? How much is that a week? How much is that an hour? All right, so this is what you need to make an hour to survive mm -hmm. in our current in our current environment. Mm -hmm. What kind of jobs pay that? And what qualifications? How do you qualify to get those jobs? Right. Right? So it was just taking it down and bringing it making that connection for them to that to those basic elements. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think that I say is trauma changes people. And at 17, 16, 18, you're, you're, you're a baby. There's, there's so much that you have to learn in this world. Uh, and unfortunately, some of them, you know, had experienced a lot of things that they should not have experienced. Right. Any, regardless in life, but even at that age, it, it was just a lot of trauma. And so 
there was healing that needed to happen. Uh, there was a lot of that that needed to happen. But in spite of all of that, the reality is, is you gotta be able to meet these basic life needs. Right. And how can we help you get there? Mm -hmm. And so for us, it was wanting to give them the skill set or at least the perspective that they needed to have to get a job to provide food, shelter, mm -hmm. and those basic things for them. Mm -hmm. What I saw when I walked into the room were people, were a group of people that felt misunderstood and felt as if no one cared and that they were in a space that people were kept on telling them what they needed to do and they didn't know how to do it. Uh, I just, I saw just a lot of isolation and it was, you could tell by the body language, closed off like this, um, they were pushed away from the table. It just, I just saw so much solitude. And for me, the way to overcome that is connectedness. You have to connect. I, and I, I, also, I also think that that is a need, connection. Mm -hmm. And so I just tried to figure out how to connect. And we were a team, right? So from my perspective, if I connected, we connect. And that was where I felt that I fit in. That was my strong suit. And we all don't need to, to be alike. We all have different perspectives on how to do things. And what I saw from the team was everyone was vastly different, but you they needed to hear what you all had to to say to help them get to where they needed to get to. And not only what what the team, our team did, but all of the other professionals that came mm -hmm. to help and to assist and to be mentors. The whole sense of purpose was to help them survive right. from different backgrounds. And I was blown away with some of the talent that showed up to be part to help, right? There were some VPs, there were some directors. And honestly, I was intimidated with a lot of the people that showed up. Speaking of help, I, I need some help too. <laughs> um, so it was me trying to identify what my role was. And I felt that I was the one that was supposed to open the door, that was supposed to connect us to them. Because those, they're not kids, but those young adults, they weren't connecting with us. They felt, oh, here's another set of people that are talking at us. They don't know what we're going through. They don't. And by the ending of her stay, they weren't sitting like this anymore. Mm. They were actively they pulled up to the table. There was conversation and it was going on. That did not happen. Yeah. And that that's what I was supposed to do. Mm. Right? So, yeah. How did you, I, wanted, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> how did you learn how to read the room? So you mentioned it's, once again, it's, it's survival. I know, but, but I think that okay. if you talk to anyone, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to use, I guess, some very casual and social settings, and this is probably a very extreme, extreme. Um, so I went to high school in New York, 
um, Julia Richmond High School. It was, LaGuardia was the School of the Arts, but Julia Richmond also um, had, had a really good arts program. I'm dating myself, but I went to school, to my high school was from 89 to 93, and it was some really hard times in New York. So Julia Richmond was on 59th Street, 59th and Lexington. It was down the block from Hunter College. It was down the block from Fox Studios. So we were surrounded with different types of, of people, entities, but it was a rough time. There, we were going through metal detectors at school in 89. Mm. So to be going through metal detectors, that tells you what was going on yeah. in the school, yeah. right? In 89. Yeah, because I'm thinking it started in my right. era. But, but no. Yeah. So in 89, mm -hmm. I was going through metal detectors yeah. in Manhattan, New York, mm -hmm. to, to go to school every day. Mm -hmm. At the train station, 59 in Lexington, there was violence. It just, there was just a lot of violence and I had to figure out how to get what I needed from school every day. So you're in the classroom and it's a bunch of things and in between classes, you gotta go through these stairways to get to the other classes. Mm -hmm. And the stairways were chain link, it, it was crazy the way that the stairways were designed, but a lot of violence would happen in the stairways. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to survive. I'm thinking of the cafeteria. It just, there were a lot of episodes of violence on a regular basis and I had to figure out how to survive. And so for me in the classroom, it was, I noticed that there were kids that were struggling or, or my classmates were struggling with learning certain things mm. that came, that I understood. And so I used that opportunity in the classroom if somebody was, if there was someone sitting behind me and they didn't understand something, excuse me, in my own way, I would say, so, you know, if you look at it like this, so look at it like this, oh, I got it. And I would start doing that. Mm -hmm. And what happened was then when I had to walk through the hallways or go through the stairways, I'll leave her alone, she's good. If I'm walking through the cafeteria, hey, leave her alone, she's good. And it was just that simple. Got it. I'm it, going to the train station, hey, leave her alone, she's good. Yeah. I wasn't from their neighborhoods, their blocks, but they're in school too, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was a survival technique. And I'm not saying that I was a brainiac or that I was an A student, but I can help you get through this particular problem. Yeah. Right? And I, to me, that that's, that's kind of how I've always been. I've always thought of things. It's okay. How can I help them so mm -hmm. that they'll help me? Yeah. Because I don't know when I'm going to need it, but I'm pretty sure in this environment, I'm going to need somebody to look out for me. Absolutely. And I think that that's just how I yeah that that sounds very innate whereas like someone like me so I would learn to add value to a person you know like when you meet someone that's just like how I've learned to socialize with people um <clears throat> and even like now 
when I was in corporate, it's nothing to just meet somebody or get on their good side. But I think getting on someone's good side naturally in the entrepreneurial space even looks differently because it takes a little bit more like, to me, I want to say strategy, but from your perspective, it sounds more innate. Do you remember like, I know you said like, you know, you would turn around and say, hey, I can help you with that. But do you remember the first time you were like, I hold this career to keep me safe or you were like, this is my end. Or do you remember what that thought was? It was in the classroom. It was me genuinely the first time it happened. I just think it was, I saw the person next to me really couldn't grasp something that I understood. Mm -hmm. And I was just, and I said, hey, such and such, such and such. And then the first thing that time I was onto it was when that person said, hey, leave her alone. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to do this more often. I'm going to help you this one. I'm going to help you. Right. Hey, let me, let me help you with that. And so it wasn't, it wasn't that I thought or I was that aware to know that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the first time it happened, oh, yeah, I'm on it. Got it. I like that. This is, this is, this is it. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a statistic. Yeah. And that was a very real thing that could have happened in that environment. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once I found something that I was good at and worked for me, I stuck with it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. When you think of when I think about going into a, like a rambunctious uh, cali- um, cafeteria, and then or, or from thinking about going through like navigating through a um, a hallway or even a class where a fight breaks out or something like that, that all makes sense to me, right? And if, I understand how you develop the skill to be useful, and then knowing how being useful keeps you safe. So when we're talking about, I feel like the corporate space is a different type of trauma, even though I feel like to me, that's where I got a little bit more trauma. Walking into a room where it's either a bunch of white people, black people, whatever, in suits and ties, and they're in an office, are you able, do you see yourself looking at the same, using the same skill set from reading the room in a calmer space? Yes. I think for me, it's the same thing is how can I assist someone? So that if and when I need help, they'll help me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that has changed. Uh, as I've said to you, uh, you know, and I've tried to introduce you to other people that I think are better at navigating through the corporate landscape um, and, and, and navigating through the ranks to get in, in in management and stuff. That's not that has never been a goal of mine. I wouldn't say that that's something that I've been successful at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been a team player. So what's the project? Um, I'm a worker bee. And when you say you're a worker bee, what does that mean? So a worker bee, I mean, you in any job, you have those that are creating projects, leading projects. I'm talking about on a, on a higher on a higher level, and then those that do the work for the project, mm-hmm. right? So you can only have one leader. I mean, as you go up the chain, it becomes less and less. So there's one, maybe VP, then director, then a manager, then team leads. And, 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 and so I've always been kind of just part of the team. And for me, I'm okay with that. I've, I've not wanted, I've not wanted to be responsible for any projects. And in my corporate life, I've had to realize that everyone has different has different trajectories and has different wants. 
I have experienced people thinking that I didn't have any ambition because I didn't want to be a manager, mm. right? And noticing how that teammate attitude changed towards me because I had no interest in being a team lead or 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 putting myself in a position to get into the management slot, to get into a director slot. That just that just hasn't been something that was appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that that exists and that, I don't want to use the word threat, but that became a liability. Because if you're a teammate and you have the perspective that everyone should be doing their best to advance, that's what you do in, in, in a professional career. So now you think that way mm-hmm. and you know that I don't think that way. Mm-hmm. What happens if you then become my manager? I'm like, are you, if, if that is my mindset, because it's not, I'd be like, oh, Charlie's not trying to be ambitious. Right, right, Charlie don't right, want to go to the top. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And so, and so that's now something that's a liability that I have to consider. Mm. Um, and okay. in the environment that we were in, it just, it was a lot of um, tumultuousness. Yeah. There was uncertainty, I think. There just was always talk of layoffs or budget cuts and mm-hmm. who's going to be next what whose head is going to roll next mm-hmm. and i think if people are honest a lot of people feel that way in the corporate landscape yeah. now and so it's how do you feel secure how do you feel safe how do you make meaningful connections um you know within within the, within that framework and yeah for me, it just became increasingly difficult because I just I've never had any interest in going through the ranks of leadership or ascending through those ranks because what I saw was persons' freedoms becoming less and less and less and less as they go up the rank. As they go up the rank, yes, the money increased, mm-hmm. but that that wasn't something that's appealing to me like being in in constantly networking in those social circles and environment because there were just too many unknowns Mm -hmm. there were too many unknowns and it was to me too volatile because it was about relationships you don't know which organizational structures are going to get funding whose funding is going to be cut once funding is cut then that directly is going to relate to the the personnel overload. So some bodies are going to have to start getting cut. Yeah. Well, is your manager going to cut you? Yeah. Are you one of the ones that are going to be on the cutting board? Mm-hmm. You know, and it just, that constant, it just was that constant gray cloud hanging over one's head. And it just, it was unnerving. I never, I never saw safety in that environment. Mm-hmm. But I do know people that thrived in that environment, right? right? And so for me, it wasn't. I was there to do a job. I was there to get paid. I was there to survive. Mm -hmm. And whether it being bad or indifferent, because I was there to survive, maybe that did 
cut short my professional trajectory. I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs so if you want to develop as an entrepreneur you're leaving corporate america and you're trying to figure out how do i get my footing in entrepreneurship then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you you can learn with us you can grow with us and i didn't even mention that we have a book club join us in the community let's get started today you will not regret it I think that's interesting. Like the interesting, it's an interesting perspective to when you think about surviving, and then when you mention um, meaningful connect connections, like trying to make meaningful connections in the corporate space, and how it can it can be a bit stifling to find genuine connections. But when you're surviving, how much are you drawn to like meeting like genuine connect? Like how much are you open to finding a genuine connection? So one of my strong suits is because that's what I do and it comes naturally. Mm -hmm. Leadership would use me then because they need to create situations where you're, you, that it's not just about work, but there are times where, where the group can come together. I don't want to say and play, but just relax for a moment. Mm -hmm. And they knew I was the person. Yeah. I was the person that could do that for them. Yeah. So... I became an asset. So when you think of any corporate uh, environment, there's there are always events that kind of supposedly take a breather for a moment, let's connect. Right. You can meet with this group, you can meet with this group. But well, who's coordinating that? Yeah. And so while it may seem as if it's just a relax, that there's always intention behind it, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. that's where I came in. So. You talked about the M&Ms and it just seems so fun. Yeah, I did use, but there was intention behind it. Absolutely. Right. And so one of, one of the things is uh, on one of the days that we were having a team, team meeting, team outing, and it sounds very trivial, but when I tell you that this unified our group, so in our, in our group, in our division, maybe let's just say there were about 10, 10 teams. Okay. And because it was the airline industry, I came up with the paper plane contest. <laughs> so each team had to develop a plane. <laughs> so they had to develop a plane and then they had to pick a pilot to fly the plane and everything. When I tell you, Enjoy. what? Yes. <laughs> I have never seen, never known that people could do such amazing things with a single sheet of paper. Wow. You had grown men coming and doing prototypes of, it was, it was amazing. Wow. And it was, it was such a positive thing. Like we, I had, Runway, 
developed a runway, and then the pilot we had people. It, it just it, it worked. It, 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 so fun, it, it was, and it's it was it was. You would think it was so trivial, paper planes. Mm. But it really played into the industry that we were in, and yeah. And it comes so naturally for you. Me, I'm intellectualizing it already because I'm like, I know, because I know uh, everyone's a geek about planes at Delta. I know that, like, they need to tap, for me, they need to tap into a little fun. I'm thinking about it strategically. I'm thinking about it intellectually. And even though connectedness is my number one strength, it's like you move like water. It's like literally just a natural thing for you. Like, that's, that's crazy. I wanted, I wanted to, um, I'm glad I didn't lose this thought because I let it go so that I can stay focused. But the thought that I was, I was going to share was um, another mentor of mine told me when I was going through, it was like people wanted me on their team, but they wanted me to do what they wanted me to do, not for what I wanted to do. And when you were talking about being an asset, like, okay, let's get Charlie because we know that she's naturally going to be the glue. We need her to just do Charlie. What she said was, um, know, know your value before someone else knows your value. And, and what that said to me was, know what I want to get out of an experience. And I'll still be me, but know what I want to get out of it so that you use me however you want. But let me make sure that it's in my vision. And I feel like I want to just offer you to start and I want to hear what you think. Because I think all right, you want to use me. What can I be used for? But what can I tap into? Like, and I'm talking. I'm only talking really about the corporate space because I don't necessarily think this way in the entrepreneurial space. But if you're going to use me, how can I use that to my benefit? And then if I turn it down, or you know what I mean? So I'm I think that's the that. same thing, though. That I don't think there's any difference in being in entrepreneurial space. The major, the bigger difference. The biggest difference, per se, in the entrepreneurial space is that you know much more about the background, mm -hmm. the situation than you do in a corporate space, depending on where you're at. Mm -hmm. So I know that's why leadership tapped into me. Mm -hmm. She's going to get the people together. Mm -hmm. So we need everyone to come to this meeting and we need them to be relaxed mm -hmm. because we want them to talk. We want to hear what the group has to say. Yeah. But whenever we call a meeting, everyone comes in and they're very tight-lipped. Mm -hmm. There are a few that will say, but for the, for the majority of the team, people are tight-lipped. Get her to organize it. Yeah. Because they're going to come and they're going to be more relaxed and more willing to talk. Right. Why they need that, I don't know, and they're not sharing that with me. That's what that that's what made me bring right. that up. Right. They're not they're not sharing that with me. Right. And mm. that's part that that's part of it. Mm. There's always a filtering. There's there's always a filtering. So when you think about the program with Covenant House, there were some assessments when we when we met and we did our intervals and we checked in, there were some assessments that we did on some of of the participants. Yeah. Right? People that we felt, okay, so this person is going, and we're seeing some red flags on this per person. So because we're seeing the red flags on this person, then we need to pay a little bit more attention, like to do this to see. Mm -hmm. Because we kind of want to weed this out sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Right? And so in the next session, 
if now I decide that I'm going to go sit with this particular group, mm -hmm. that participant didn't know why I was doing that. Right. Right. They don't know that I'm looking to, to, to ascertain certain bits of information or I need right. confirmation or I'm trying to figure out if what we think is going on is going on. If they need to be removed from the program. Right. They just, they don't, they don't know that because they, you're, they're not, they're not two steps ahead. It's not about being two steps, but it's about, I think, the vantage point. Vantage they, point. They don't have the access to that information. Right. That goes on in every aspect of our life. You don't know what your, I mean, depending on your vantage point, it's what access to information you're going to have. I feel you on that. The reason I brought that up was because in those situations where, like, those two situations actually align. So like a corporate leader seeing you and say, hey, Charlie, put them here. Or a participant not necessarily knowing where they fit in the strategy. And so they're like, wait, why is Miss Charlie sitting over here by me? Like that same unknown is there. But then activating, like if you already know what you're good at, which is that making people feel warm and fuzzy inside, even if it's like, I don't know if you, you hopefully you know this, then I'm just curious when you brought up the dating part, it's like activating that intentionally because that's how people feel. And I wonder like if you ever activated it like intentionally to, to make people drawn to you. Cause I think like if a corporate leader says put her in the room because people are drawn to her, I wonder if you were to like activate that in a relationship, would people be just as drawn to you? But I wonder what I can't think. speak for them. You know, I, I well, don't. I'm, talking, I don't I'm, I'm asking if you if you initiate. It doesn't. I don't. To me, it's activity. just who I am. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't. I I just I'm not that calculating. I'm mm. not that astute or that aware of myself. And maybe I should be. Mm. Right. So there's a lot of awareness that I do have, um, and there's still a lot even where I'm at in life that I still don't have. Mm -hmm. uh, some things are just are just who I am are, are, are subcon or unconscious actions that I take. I don't think in a malicious way. I'm just talking how I interact, how I care for people. And to to be truthful, I think that part innocence is part of the beauty of life. Yeah. And I don't know if this is is too childlike, but I try to hold on and I ain't got much innocence left. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of innocence left. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's part two, yeah. <laughs> but the little bit that I do have is precious to me. And I seek opportunities. Like traveling give, keeps me. And this is an aha moment for me right now. And I guess that's why I like traveling so much because I feel innocent. I'm, I'm looking at something or an experience through fresh eyes. I've never experienced it before. Mm. Um, and as we, as we mature, as we live, there's so much routine. There's so much calculation that goes on that the innocence is lost. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that that's part of the beauty of, of life mm -hmm. is being able to see things and experience things fresh and new. So when things are good, they're great. And when they're bad, they're shit. They're terrible. 
I am so in an optimal environment. I'm on a team that I've got leadership that's okay with me being who I am, that's allowing me to do what I need to do. I've got work that's um, fulfilling that even though I'm an individual contributor, I have the ability to make assessments and to say, hey, I think we could do more of this. Right? I think that this is a blind spot where we could add more value. I don't necessarily, I know we're doing things this way, but maybe can we consider something else? I think that this is going on. Um, versus I've also been in a situation, this is what you're supposed, don't worry about this. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what the next step is. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, well, you know, and doesn't really want us talking with us so how we can make things better. Yeah. You guys don't need to make things better because you don't know what better is because you don't know what the bigger picture is because I haven't told you and I'm not going to tell you. So what right? do you Okay. And, and so surviving for me is figuring out the landscape and okay. understanding what I'm dealing with. Right. And in the latter situation, realizing that I'm in trouble. Like I could, I could be cut at any time. So let me start figuring out what, what how I can get and how I can move into something else. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if the rug gets pulled out from me, I need to be able to, to move. Right. Paying attentions to, 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 to behaviors. So, you know, in the environment that we were in, there were things that I was noticing that caused me to take note and to start putting other things into play. Mm -hmm. And it just turned out that what I was noticing was correct. Mm -hmm. right? Would you share any of the things that you've noticed? And even from a place where someone could be in a position where you are right now and they don't necessarily realize the behaviors that they should be attuned to, what are some of those behaviors that someone could be looking for in an environment so one of the things that I noticed in that previous environment so it just seems to be a lot more management meetings and you hear things about budget cuts and all of that so if we went from then doing review one-on-one -on -one review sessions reviewing progress from once a quarter to now we're doing it once a once a month and then it was status reports update. If we had a weekly meeting, everyone kind of just was saying it. So, hey, I don't need you just to say it. I need you to submit it. I need you to formally and I need you to send it in to me. So now the pattern is, is I'm saying, while they're trying to monitor, trying to isolate what it is that we do, mm -hmm. how much time, and they're really trying to put a framework around it. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to quantify and get a better understanding as who does what, what are they doing, mm -hmm the time that it takes people to do things. Um, and, and so in my opinion now, because they want a better understanding of the work and the workers, people's skills assessment so that they can put you on a hierarchy because you know it sounds like there's been budgets, there's been talk about budgets. Mm -hmm. They're looking to kind of streamline. And so the word streamlining, yeah. start, you start hearing that. There's certain words or, or terms that you, that start popping up streamlining that means budget cuts that means some again once you start talking budget cuts that means jobs are going to start to roll mm -hmm. right and so now managers have to create a list and they may have already had that list mm -hmm. as to where you are on 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 the hierarchy who's the first from one to ten where are you yeah so who's the first person i can cut yeah and so now they want to understand 
who does what, what projects. Okay, because if at any point Charlie gets cut, then someone else needs to be able to take over what that person is doing. Mm, so you're saying when you notice people starting to take stock and inventory of everybody's skills and abilities and starting to get really clear, that's an indication of like heads are going to roll or even a reorg, which still heads are going to roll. Mm, that's interesting. So, so if you, if there, what are other things that we, sh we should be like thinking about that like tell, because it sounds like, you know, the, the frog, the frog in the boiling water before it gets hot. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, right. Yeah. If you put a frog in boiling water, they'll jump out. But if you put it in, in cold water and then, then they'll stay in the middle. Yeah. So what, I feel like there's other things that we can be noticing in, new, in terms of nuance. Like looking into our situations that we could be mindful of. I just, just from my personal experience, you know, it was things like that, and I was, and I was dead on when it came to that. Mm -hmm. In another instance, there was a team lead who was very friendly, very friendly, and very um, personable with the team. I started noticing though that. This person started distancing, creating space, creating distance between themselves and the team. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, she's putting in for management. It wasn't anything that anybody, it wasn't obvious. I don't know, I just started noticing that she started creating distance. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, like, I was right. Mm -hmm. She got the management position. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she felt like she needed to create that distance to get it right. And Maybe so. I'm not saying that that was a wrong move on her part. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I noticed that. Um, yeah. You have a, you have a really good sense of what, seeing the moves on the on the chessboard. I'm curious to know if you've ever, um, however much you like to talk about in your experience, if you can think about one move on the chessboard where you were able to sidestep something or where you saw something coming and you avoided it, even if it's at the smallest level. What does that look like? Um, I don't think I played it well. I think that I noticed that there were these things, same thing that I was talking about. That it just seemed as if there was a lot of inventory being all of interest starting to be taken around hours, projections, are people meeting their projections, itemizing exactly what work is being done on a particular project and things of that nature. Um, and me starting to then look outward for other positions and, and me doing that and finding that and finding a slot and then having to let my manager know that I found a slot. And that's ruffled, ruffled the feathers. Mm. So the, finding the slot was the window. Like even if, even though right. at and, the end you feel like it, the and play. I found the slot. Okay. The caveat was mm. is I let the manager talk me into not taking the slot. Oh. And once I said okay, I I paid dearly for that mistake. So that person's position was very much, you don't move unless I tell you to move, but how dare you? How dare you find that, do that? 
Mm. And I went on to pay for that. I subsequently paid for that decision. So, you know, one one piece. So from that, I learned is when you're ready to move, move. Mm -hmm. Because now your leadership knows that for whatever reason you weren't fulfilled and that it wasn't long term. And I, and I think that that's a, a facade. And I don't know. And that's another thing about interviewing is people want to you to say that you're going to be here for a long term. If something else comes along and if you're not happy, you're going to move. But if I say that, you're not going to hire me. Mm. That's interesting that you say that because some people might actually, I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's interesting your perspective and I, and I, I get how you're able to navigate um, with the sense that you have to be a certain person in order to um, in order to to thrive. I'm curious and and um, in your in like a a magical type world where things just you know corporate is how Charlie envisions corporate to be, and um, your dream job is what is supposed to be, and the job is not only do not dream of working their heart. All right then. So that's a good that's a good so, start right so, there. So, so what not does, dream of labor? <laughs> not dream of labor. So what does, I guess since we are on the work and play podcast and we're having this conversation, what does work and play or play play play? What's your definition? What is your ideal balance of like life work and just doing whatever? Like what are you waking up in the morning on your ideal day doing? Okay. Um is waking up in the morning just um, waking up to the morning to the sounds of waves crashing and being on a beach getting served margaritas and hamburgers and hot dogs and french fries all day mm. and shrimp on a skewer yeah and people watching people watching and then what i can give you directions to tell you what to do mm. okay you want to know where to go shop oh do you over here so it just sounds so low maintenance Right. Um, but when you talk about your your like beginnings, right? Something chill, something low maintenance, something where you don't have to be turned on for survival, something that allows you to just kind of be smooth, cool, and chill, and then organically let people find use use in like you. Hey, you need some direction, and I can I can actually imagine if you were on this beach doing everything that you just said. You still would end up being known for something. I would. I would be known. You know, if you want to know, she knows where to go. She knows where to go. She knows where to go and find things. Absolutely. I'm the person. Resourceful right, as hell. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I like being a resource. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I went back to sales, going back to sales, that for me, I don't, but I can tell you where you need to go to get something. Absolutely. You want to have a good time? Want to know where to get good food? Right. And you want to know how to get things done? Or you need to do this. This is a person that can help you with. Or you know what? I read about this. The you know this process. Why don't you read this book? Yeah. That is Charlie's like zone. Yeah, being a resource. That's dope. I, I think I think that's actually really. I don't see where there's money to be made in it, right? So, hmm. and it's not in one specific thing. So, even in a corporate environment. If people have problems, you mean such and such knows how to do that. You need to connect with such and such. Mm -hmm. 
or you need this you need to connect with such and such mm-hmm. right and it's still it's still knowing it's still knowing the landscape yeah so it's just when we met when we met orientation it was me remembering and then sometimes I was, you know I remember such and such was saying that she was going to market and let me reach out to her and see yep it's just me doing things like that there was a project and I remember that we were thinking of how to there was this new software and there was a discussion could this be beneficial to our project Mm -hmm. and somehow I had heard that there was a group was another group that had used it and they had built their own catalog of, 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 of videos and I reached out Say hey, I heard you guys are doing this, and I built a relationship. And mm-hmm. so, I, and then I went back to hey, so there's a group that's using this same thing that we discussed last week, yeah. and they have managed to build their own kind of self help trainings, and and I think that it might be a good tool for us to use to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Completely was another division. Yeah. So we were in in systems, and they were in um mechanics. Totally. Mm. And it was just me being friendly and just, yeah. In the beginning, she said, she, and it was something she said, she said, Charlie, you sure know how to make connections. And she went on and we did me and we actually ended up, but even though it helped, I don't think that that was helpful with my relationship with my manager. Oh yeah. I got you on that. It did. It, yeah, I was a loose cannon as far as she was concerned. As far as she was concerned. Now, but one thing I did, and I just I actually just did a post about this because managers' feedback and their critiques are not always suited for you. And it's right, but if we're talking about in a corporate environment where right. someone had, can directly impact your livelihood, it is. Right? If and you allow it. Right, and so depending on your environment. Yeah. Though that can stop you from moving forward because in a lot of Fortune 500 companies, you need your manager to sign off so that you can apply for a certain position you need for them. So it's not you're you're to a certain degree, you're managing personalities and you have no control over that. Absolutely. But I think the intentionality is. When you're in the corporate space, because I feel like we can all agree that reorgs happen, heads roll, and that part is not our control. Even if we navigate to the point where we have the perfect setup, that can easily shift because someone can get fired, someone can get hired, someone can take another job. But I think the intentionality is seeking a role where resourcefulness is legitimately what you do. Well, how do you how do you know that? You you communicate that. that. I, I think communicating that is a part of your it should be a part of your survival strategy because but someone would have to see that vision where it's resourcefulness i don't i don't know um i think you would have to see that vision first because i used to do the same thing i would say like i'm positive who cares about being positive who's gonna pay me for that like who like, who's gonna pay me for that like i literally had like some of the same thoughts so i feel like words are powerful so speaking something into existence is powerful. Then also speaking the resourcefulness into existence is powerful. And then speaking, I will get paid for my resources. So what should my affirmations for me getting a good corporate job? Ooh. What should that be? You know what? Let's come up with one together. Because I feel like I'm teetering on 
resourcefulness, I'm putting the affirmation together in my brain. And you know I'm a data analyst person, but when it comes to affirmation, it's more. They think it's hocus pocus, but I, I engineer. I'm not the, I'm not disputing that. Um, I think we're at different points of our career. We've had this conversation, mm-hmm. and you're still bright eyed and bushy tails, and I'm just. Like, I don't mm. think it. So let's just let's just do mm. let's just meet in the middle here, and say that we can agree and we can let's agree on an affirmation. Let's not. I'm not gonna give you one. So I hear, I hear resourcefulness, but I also hear you saying, who's going to pay me for that? So I feel like um, I can get paid for my resourcefulness is, is a basic affirmation, right? And it's what not about only getting paid, right? Okay. It's not, all... No, no, it is. You didn't let me finish. Okay. It <laughs> it's not only about getting paid, okay. but getting paid well. All right. And that's where know your number. We gonna go back to know your number, right? So what Ooh. what what depend, getting what does well mean? That can mean different for everyone. Okay, what right? For somebody, you? well maybe means fifty thousand dollars a year. Another person, a hundred thousand. Another person, okay, two hundred thousand. Where are we going? Right. So it's determining what your number is. What do you need to survive to be happy to do? And hmm, all right. That 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 dictates what your resourcefulness needs to be. So even if we don't come up with this affirmation on camera, even though I would love to, you know, as much as I'm tuned in, I still remember. I think this is really helpful as we structure this affirmation that not only can we get paid for our resourcefulness, but I should say, like, you can get paid a million dollars for your resourcefulness to be a connector. Because there are people who make, you know, $250 million dollars. To do something a little bit more than the resourceful person. I get it. Resourcefulness can be a skill. Let's just give it a level of like, there's a person who does the work. There's a person who connects the work. And there's a person who communicates all that. So if you never want to be that person that's like, hey, I want to be the leader. I want to communicate all this stuff. And I want to be the person that tells everybody what to do. And then you remain in this connector's role, this resourcefulness role. Put a dollar on that. And even if you don't like believe it, Say it until you believe it. And that's the whole thing about affirmations because I know you believe in them. So I feel like speaking a specific one for you would be dope. And that's fine. So we can come up with with, with the affirmation off camera. All right. When it comes to surviving, however, affirmations are ahead and surviving is right now. So it's two different mindsets. Ooh, where do you want to be though? It's not, it's not about where I want to be. It's about balancing where you are and where you're going. It's a constant, it's a constant dance, okay. right? Because your reality is you're always walking into your future. Yeah. You're always, yeah. right? One o'clock was in our past and we're at three o'clock now. So you're always walking into your future. So it, it's a, it's a balance of doing what I need to do to be okay right now and then doing what I need to do to be okay tomorrow, even though that's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And, and so in surviving, I think it's, in my perspective, it's it's preparing for the worst case scenario. Okay. And then you would imagine thriving is? Right. What would it beyond, be? Beyond what, what my expectations would I could ever wish or hope for. That's dope. Well, I would say this. The reason I invited you is because there were people, what I have seen play out in my role, you have the age on me, so of course you have lots of wisdom. What I've seen play out in my eyes is not only do I believe 
that someone can reach to higher heights that they never even expected because they really weren't even thinking about anything else besides the basic necessities. They're trying to get to thriving. Thriving to them is working a job that pays $50,000, which depending on their trajectory never would have been. So I want to thank you for coming on into my life, one. And I want to thank you for being willing to be a resource and be, being willing to be the translator, if you will, of energy between the people who are so far beyond what someone can actually dream of and then people who are like, haven't even started dreaming. And for that, I want to just say, I've seen play out in my eyes how you've been literally a connector of that, like that story line and the difference between surviving and thriving. And even though I didn't even, I didn't really have that intention when you sat down, I feel like this conversation really does give me like a full understanding of like the, just the different sides. And, and even there's so much more to like dive into, but if you would like to, I was, I was going to ask and, and for sure to share whatever you want to say, but I was going to ask if you had um, a lasting word for someone who has never been in corporate or never ever not experienced homelessness, or if a person is like right at the verge of their first corporate career and they have no clue what to look out for, any words of wisdom that you'd like to share that come from your heart or your head? So I think... So I think stepping into, sometimes you don't know what you want to do or what the next step is. I hats off to all of you guys that are new from the beginning or can define and can carve out, this is what I want to do, this is, this is, and I'm very clear about it. I think that that's a, one, that's a personality. It doesn't work out like that for everyone, right? And to some personalities for people that don't think like that, you might come across off as aloof or lazy um, or unorganized. It is what it is. Everyone, um, you know, from from a child, I never said, oh, I wanted to be a doctor. I just like to explore. There's never been a job per se for me that I've wanted to do like, oh, I want to do this. More so for me, it's always been, that sounds interesting. Let me try that. That's what it's that's what it's what it's been for me. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. I think I can do that. You know, I've I've worked in these, I think this is mystical. So let me go ahead and let me try that. And I've been in so many different work environments. And I have found that so much of the skill set, this especially the soft skill set, is transferable. I've worked in IT, meaning, um, so one of the common threads is I, I kind of like to work with databases. It's all managing information. Everything, every industry that you can think of is about managing information. The automotive industry, if you go to an auto parts store, they need to have a list of inventory of what they have available. And if they can't get it, they need to be able to see where they can get it from. Mm -hmm. If you think of a hospital, what is the inventory, patient information, doctor information, who can help? Uh, medicine information, uh, you think about an airline, what's the information? It's flight destination information, right? Um, food industry, information is ingredients, menus, locations, yep. right? Human, human, res right? human resources, mm -hmm. um, locations, mm -hmm. right? So someone could, so for me, that information 
but our, our being able to transfer or, or understand information is just is transferable across info, across industries. Um, it is, I think, really trying to as quickly as you can size up minimally what someone is looking for, right? Meet the basic requirements and then trying to connect um, from a personal aspect, having a conversation. When I'm talking to someone, I really try to connect personally. And if I can't do it, I can't. I know that I'm not successful in doing it with everyone. The situations that have worked best for me have been those situations where I have managed to create those connections. Why? Because when we create the personal or social connection, then the person gets to understand my personality and kind of really what I'm looking for in a soft, um, in, in kind of a soft skill. So, and, and, and I get to hear what it is that they're looking for. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now, let's get back to the episode. Right. And that's, that's where the value shows or my value shows. And when we can see where it's applicable, some people, it, it doesn't matter about that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if you are a cashier at McDonald's, you may say, Oh, it, I don't need you to have personality. I need you to be able to take orders when we have rush hour and get them people to keep them lines down. But I'm pretty sure you we have gone into certain places and there have been cashiers that have been very delightful. And the incidents or unhappy customers is less with them. I hate to do it. But Chick-fil-A and Popeyes. <laughs> yeah. You already know. I already know you, already yeah. you already know where you're going with that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there aren't some. Um, uncomfortable situations that happen at Chick-fil-A, but I'm willing to bet money that they don't get the same type of <laughs> interactions that happen at Popeye's. I'm not, and I don't think it has anything to do with location. No. Right? I think that it's the type of people that they, they hire. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that there are experiences that I think happen more at one establishment than it does at the other, right? And somehow, I think that Chick-fil-A does a better job in assessing personalities, right? I think somehow they, they manage to connect with personality. I don't know if they go more on a referral-based system with employees recommended. I don't I don't know. I've not tried to, to work at Chick-fil-A, so I don't know. But I have gotten Chick-fil-A to donate to some of those programs that I used to do socially with with the group. Yeah, they were one of they're one of our our bigger our bigger. Well, I got a lot of so I was once again I'm great at connecting. I'm very resourceful <laughs> and doing things like that, right? And mm. um, somehow you you want to find 
that you want to find those connections. I'll, I'll say one more story. Is when I was younger, I was working at H2O. It was it was um, in White Flint Mall in Maryland. Don't forget this. It was like a store that was similar to Bath and Body Works. This lady came in. So I was working as a bank teller at the time, and I was going to school for programming. Okay. Didn't know how I was going to make the bridge. So I was working part-time at the bank, and then I was working in the mall part-time as, as, a, as a cashier H2O. Mm -hmm. This lady came in, and she was trying to purchase some things, and she had a toddler with her little boy, and he was giving her the business. <laughs> and you could tell she was, she was worn out. Mm -hmm. She was trying to buy some 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 stuff, and he I don't know if he was but he was really giving her the business. Mm -hmm. And I went to her and I said, "Hold up, just hold up for a moment, because you need to take him and go deal with him. What is it that you need?" And she told me, "What is it that you're not just asked her because she's trying and she can't really think." Yeah. So let me just. So I went. I got them. I said, "Go, go, take care of him. Yeah. When you finish, take care of him. Just come back. I have I'll have your stuff ready for you." She's like, I need some gift baskets. I don't remember, but she kind of told me right. when she came and I put some things together when she came back. Yeah. I, she, when she came back in, she just was, thank you. And she looked and she said, that was exactly what I needed. It wasn't that at the store they made gift baskets or anything, but I knew that we could. But anyhow, I just know that she, she kind of needed something, but her son needed her more. So when she came back, I had it all done. Such a fine. We brought it up, and she handed me a card. She said, this is my husband. Call him tomorrow, and he'll have a job for you. I said, okay. I called him. I'll never forget. I, and I remember his name to this day. I don't know if he's alive um, or what have you. Doug Buford. Doug Buford. She gave me his card and slid it to me. I called him in the morning, next morning. And he said, I don't know what you did for my wife, but if I don't give you a job, <laughs> I'm going to have to sleep on the sofa. <laughs> mm. Right? Mm. And he got, I got a job as a receptionist um, in an IT company. And here comes the programming. Wow. How crazy was that? So I was going to school for that. I was working as a teller. I was working part-time at H2O, mm -hmm. not knowing that that job at H2O was gonna, was gonna give me the opening. Yeah. Right, so they hired me as a receptionist. He knew I was going to school mm -hmm. for programming. And as soon as I finished, then I got my entry-level programming job. Mm -hmm. And I started working at H2O and her having, his wife having a toddler that was giving her the business. And I just saw it and I said, mm, baby. And I probably said it like that because it was just real, like he was <laughs> on the floor. And I said, nope, nope, go ahead. And I just, yeah. a child can get his mother. Mm -hmm. And me just going in and helping that turned into the opportunity for the career that I was working on, getting to, didn't know how I was going to do it. Right? So. Mm -hmm. That is what has always happened for me. That is how my life works out. Yeah. Other people, it's networking at professional events, or you have a, a, a personal network of people that that have connections. It's just it's not it's not been that way for me. Yeah. 
it's my personality has always been what has made the room for me. Mm-hmm. So once again, isn't that crazy? But going back to high school, it's me seeing someone that had a need and helping them, mm-hmm. right? And then that affording me protection, yeah. going through the hallways. Yeah. Then we fast forward it years later, we going into that. Yeah. Fast forwarding it years later, you know what I mean? So that's been my journey. That's been my consistent. I never know where it's coming from. I just have to trust though that be me being who I am and me just wanting to help people yeah. in their moment of personal need will always open the door for me professionally. Absolutely. Mm. So that's how I survive. I survive by looking for how I can help my my fellow human being. And it's not, oh, you know, the homeless person on the street, I'm not saying that. It's mm-hmm. just really, and it, it's not big things. A person that I dated before, if we would be out and I would see someone taking pictures, you know, a lot of times if people are trying to take pictures, there's always one person that's either stamped, not in the group, not in the picture because they're taking the picture mm-hmm. or they're getting a picture and it's selling. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. When I don't know what it is about me, but when I see that, I always say, do you want me to take the picture for you? He would get so irritated. (laughs) Stop! Stop! Why do you have to do that? It bothered him to no degree that I would be willing to do that. And all I saw was, there was people trying to capture this moment. They're they're trying to capture this moment. Why wouldn't I help them? Like, this is is something, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't cost me anything. And I've always, anytime I offer people, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Every time I've done it, I'm like, yeah, if I can get somebody too, but you don't want to ask somebody to hold your phone because you don't know if they're going to run off with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've never had someone tell me no. Yeah. Never. Yeah. People are always so appreciative, and that's not something that you can buy. You know what I mean? It just, he hated it. Mm. He hated it. Mm. Stop, stop, stop. You don't need to take pictures of everybody. <laughs> oh, but the most important thing is that you got you got value from it. it you, don't, you don't understand how much that warms my heart. Yeah. It just, it seems, it's just the little things. Yeah. Um, that Just imagine if it's a family reunion or if you haven't seen someone in them. I mean, yeah, you could, but if you try to get a nice picture of someone that you had and someone said, do you know how much that means to you? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I can literally ask you questions. I can, we can do right, this can and then do. it will literally go from work, work to play, work to play, but they don't want to hear all that. So I will end this podcast by saying thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your perspective. And even for some of those nuggets that I'm, I'm pretty sure if I, once I go back and right. start, I might have to take some notes. So and thank you because you know as I you know me continuing to be transparent is you make me feel you make me feel seen you make me feel seen and as big as some of our personalities can be and we can hold these jobs on big stages I would um, I would go on to say that a lot of people that personalities are seen publicly don't feel seen personally as an individual. 
and sometimes people's net value isn't doesn't doesn't lend to how poor they feel internally right and mm-hmm. so you're giving to me as much as as and possibly more than you say that I give to you right and you just we don't sometimes know that we need certain things until we get it. And even sometimes we don't know until till time, sometime down the line that, wow, that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yeah. Can I give you a hug? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, thank you so much. It's such a blessing. Thank you guys for listening and watching the Work and Play podcast. You guys got to it. It's huge. She looks awesome. So don't even worry about it. You guys go out and be great. Don't listen to this, please. And y'all have a wonderful wonderful day. Go out and be great in whatever industry, whatever element you want to be in. Go out and be great. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening, listening and watching the Work and Play podcast. Peace out.